This is Tiger Hall. You've had a big promotion. Congratulations! You're now going to be reporting into a C-level leader for the first time. What's different? How should how you manage your boss change? To get some advice, I had a chat with Annalise Olsen, until recently COO of Printing at HP. Here's the conversation. Okay, Annalise, let's say I am going to be reporting to a C-level leader for the first time. How should the way I manage my boss change? Absolutely critical activity needs to happen when you're coming in new. (laughs) You have to level up how you operate. There's no question about that. And one of the first things, while it sounds a bit tactical, is understanding the preferred communication method of your boss. Mm. You may have your own method. You may have what worked for your last boss or your last company, but really understanding how you are going to manage them has a lot to do with how you communicate together. And some people like text. Some people like chat. Some people want a cell phone call. Someone wants formal time requested through your executive assistant. There's a lot of things there that For that relationship to get off on the right foot, you want to understand that. I think the other thing is stepping up to think like him or her in asking yourself the question, how can I make their job easier? Mm. So yes, you're going to be learning your job. You're going to be building your team. Perhaps you're going to be forming alliances inside and outside the company. But always think about how can you make their job easier? They've hired you to run this function or to run this team or organization. And if you always kind of keep that in mind, then it will guide other things and other decisions that you make as part of that. And I think the last one is about when I talk about leveling up is instead of being a functional leader or a team or organization leader, how do you become an enterprise-wide leader? That's absolutely critical as you're forming and building that relationship with your boss. Yeah. So so how do you do that? This is, I think, the ultimate question for anyone who wants to step into the C-suite. You have to change your lens. What got you here won't take you there. It's already assumed. You're an expert. You're the best finance person or sales leader or operational, you know, metrics manager, whatever it is. But You have to switch to think enterprise-wide is really understanding what does the company do, what are the company metrics, and how do you and your work for your org and team help in delivering those outcomes. And so when you start to think at that level, that will not only help you guide your own choices and and as you work through your organization so all your employees can understand how they fit into the company strategy, it also helps you start to think about where do you spend your time. And again, it's not just about execution. It's about how those company goals and objectives can be achieved with, again, the position and role that you play across those other functions, seams and silos and teams of people that you have to work with. And I think the last thing is as well is understanding how does the C-suite operate? And even how does the board operate? What are we in business to do? And you may be in a job where you don't have access to the detailed three-year plan. You might ask, can you see that? Or can you go talk to people? Think about what is the chief 
supply chain officer needing to do if you're the person in sales and and you're wondering why we can't get enough chips to put in the devices that we need to sell. (laughs) Well, you can complain about supply chain or you can actually go talk to supply chain and see how could we work on these goals and metrics together as part of that. Because I think that one big thing I love is the magic happens at the seams and the more you can think enterprise-wide, then you're managing across those seams to get the company to where they need to be. Yeah, it's being extra proactive, I guess. Mm, Absolutely. Okay, so as I'm going to be reporting to a C-level leader for the first time, it would be really helpful for me if you had any examples or stories to, to bring this to life. Sure. I think one of the things that we forget is when you step into reporting to somebody in the C-suite, they have many other things that are going on that you probably don't know about. They may have board meetings. They may have external press activities. They may be meeting with other customers or concerned shareholders, or there could be so many other things kind of at play. And I think being able to help them as I mentioned earlier, how you can make their job easier is ask how you can help. If there's things you can take off the plate, I would do this a lot. I would almost every time I had a one-on-one with my boss, he was the chief commercial officer for the company. What can I do to help? Is there anything I can take off your plate to help you do what you need to do? And so asking how to help, asking for those stretch assignments, asking for some visibility is a real important piece. I think the other one is what worked for me quite well is building relationships and setting up one-on-ones with other members of the C-suite. So my boss's peers, not only for me and my development, but understanding more about how that C-suite group worked together. If I understood, oh, you know, the CFO is challenged with these couple of things and we're responsible for delivering revenue and profit that quarter in the go-to-market organization, we could then put that into context of the things that she was concerned about and how we could put those pieces together. You you learn something in those interactions and can sometimes even help in the relationship building across the organizations. And then the third one is collaborate without being asked. You know, don't be a pain in the butt for them. <laughs> if they, if honestly, if you can't manage and work across the seams, they're not going to see you in that light as a C-suite potential successor as those things. And so if you can really start to collaborate across, and this was something I loved to do, almost sometimes the more challenging it was, the better, because then it, it almost becomes like anthropology research. You know, why can't this team and I, or this person and I can't figure things out? How do we go find common ground? How do we stop our teams from escalating because we can't get to an agreed outcome. And so the more that you can collaborate without being asked and be the team player that's there, you will ease headaches for your boss and for others in the C-suite as part of that. Yeah, it's great advice. And don't be a pain in the butt. I think that's good life (laughs) advice as well as in this this case. In general, (laughs) it works. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt my own conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. 
Okay, if you have complex information, how should you be communicating this to your C-level leader versus in your previous role when it was a non-C-level leader? Is there any difference? Yeah, there, there is a difference in that how you use their time needs to be very focused and clear. There are meetings that are on agendas all the time. And sometimes they are well run and very clear what's that needs to happen in that 15 or 20 minutes. But Mm -hmm. everyone's probably either heard about a meeting or been in a meeting where, you know, there's 30 minutes. Somebody is supposed to go in and communicate something or get a decision on something and they have a hundred slides. And my number one advice is when you are presenting to senior leaders, you at most have one slide for every five minutes. Hmm. So if you have a 20-minute update, you have four slides. So that starts to make you simplify the complex. You don't get to pull up all the data charts. You don't get to go tell a 15-minute story of understanding a customer or understanding the numbers. You have to be very focused in how you communicate. The other thing is being clear with the C-suite folks, your boss or the C-suite in the room about what are you there to accomplish? You start the meeting. Are, are you informing? Are you asking for their advice or consultation? Are you asking for a decision or an approval? You have to be very clear because then they're in the mindset for this is what we're here to do. And it helps not only you, but he helps them stay on track as well, especially when it comes to some heavier hitting or complex topics. And then I think the other thing, of course, the focus slides, the data, those kinds of things may be obvious in making, you know, good meetings and good presentations, but also being able to read the room. Many times you are coming in to a C-suite to give updates and it's their meeting, not yours. And so you may have a time that you have to present or discuss or whatever, but read the room, understand what's going on. If you see people engaged, again, on Zoom or Google Meet or in person, you know that this might be important. If you see people disengaging, if you see people, you know, chatting with others or, you know, asking questions or arguing or debating, some of that stuff is healthy. And so you need to kind of see take the temperature as you're going, Mm -hmm. particularly for, you know, controversial or complex topics and look to your boss for guidance, but you may have already done some of the good pre-work where you may have other alliances or people in the room that can help as well. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of complex topics, do you have any top tips for effective ways to handle particularly challenging or difficult questions from your C-level leader? Yes. One is preparation. Honestly, mm. if you've done the preparation, if you've met the naysayers up front, yeah. the people who may not like the proposal, if you've gotten input, that that is a good preparation step. But when you're in the meeting, when you're in the presentation, when you're in the moment, there can be challenges, of course, or difficult questions. So then you need to breathe. Mm-hmm. Always good advice. This this happens every day. People <laughs> are in the same room. You know, you're the expert at what you've come in to talk about. The other one is answer first. When people ask you a difficult question, you know, are we on track? Is the product launch going to happen in December? Don't go into a big explanation. Answer yes or no first. Then you have the attention 
then you can give the time to explain because people don't know how long they're going to listen. And again, with a shorter attention span and many agenda topics, you need to get to the point. And so always answer first, even for the difficult questions. The last one is, I don't know is an appropriate answer. So if you get a difficult question and you don't know the answer, you can say, I don't know, but I will follow up with you. There will be executives who throw you off your game, people who don't like the direction of the topic, who don't like your boss, who whatever, and they will get things potentially derailed. But it's very distracting when you have to go answer other questions that are off agenda topic. And so sometimes you might know the answer, answer first and move on. If you don't, it's okay to say, I don't know but I will get back to you. Yeah. Don't try and bullshit and give inaccurate information. Yeah. And the song and dance makes people irritated. If you don't know, just say that. Or if you don't have the material to show the data or the graph, say that. And that doesn't test people's patience or irritation levels quite so much rather than a much more direct answer. Good advice. Okay, Annalise, can you give listeners three action steps? Let's say they're starting their new job next week, reporting to a C-level leader for the first time. What do they need to do? First thing is making sure you understand and have met their executive assistant and chief of staff. Every C-suite person in any company around the world has an exec assistant and a chief of staff, (laughs) and they run the agendas, they run the calendars. And so being very clear about where you need to be when, how and where you can help your boss is really important. The second one is being very aligned with your boss on the top three priorities, particularly if you're new. Because everything will feel like a priority. People will come to you. They want to build alliances. They want to meet you. They want to ask for your help. Being aligned with your boss in the beginning, especially on those three priorities, very important. And the third one is scheduling ongoing feedback sessions, particularly in the first six months. And if your boss is open to it, can you do it every two weeks? If they're only open to every month, great. Take what you can because having the open, honest dialogue feedbacks, you know, as much as possible will keep you aligned with your boss and get that feedback as quick as possible so that you can manage and stay on track. That may also give you the opportunity to ask feedback from other peers and C-suite members as well. But at a minimum, you need to be getting that closed loop feedback from your boss as much as possible in the first six months. What a great list. I'm feeling super prepared. Thank you so much, Annalise. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favor. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.